Hi guys, and welcome to Oh Crumbs, the gluten-free podcast. With me, Sarah Howells, the gluten-free blogger. And me, Laura Strange, my gluten-free guide. Hello and welcome to Old Crumbs. Old Crumbs on the road. On Woo! the road. We are coming to you from a field in sunny Devon because we've come on a little road trip to River Cottage where they have a little festival this weekend. Mm-hmm. We've come to interview one of the guest chefs here, Naomi Devlin. We'll get onto that scene, but we thought that we would just talk to you a little bit about festivals because Laura's a celiac. It's quite difficult, isn't it? Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and well, firstly, I'm sorry if I get nervous on today's episode, but we have a live audience of some sheep. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> looking at us quite curiously now but um, <laughs> if you hear any bleating that's what it is it's not me um, <laughs> no yeah sorry gluten-free at festivals obviously we came prepared to we the did. cottage with yeah. various snacks because you just when it's a smaller scale festival sometimes it's quite hard to know whether you'll be able to get any gluten-free food so yeah. what did our supplies consist of sarah well we had uh <laughs> two packets of gluten-free frazzles mm-hmm. um two gluten-free pot noodles <laughs> We had some questionably slightly stale pastries yeah. from Beyond Bread that mm-hmm. Laura brought from London. Yeah. And we had a punnet of strawberries. And I think we did pretty well with all that. Yeah, we did. <laughs> Healthy, balanced diet. Uh, you can't bring camping stoves here, hence the limited choice. I would say festivals have got so much better for gluten-free food. Definitely. Options. As it turned out, here we found, I think it was a fully gluten-free stall. Yeah. And two which were almost gluten-free I had loads of choice plus like the main river cottage um, like cafe itself was able to offer some options and Naomi brought us a lovely selection of food to try so we've been very well (laughs) I've actually got some snacks the road trip home I know it's brilliant like there's and there was also like some drinks we found which Mm -hmm. were like I I can't describe they were like a cross between beer and wine and botanicals Mm -hmm. and they had like an alcoholic and a non-alcoholic version like that's why I love these food festivals because you find these quirky little brands that you just don't see anywhere else. It's great. Yeah. What are they? Binary botanicals, they were called. That was it, yeah. yeah. And it was, so it was a, a gluten-free beer, basically, it was with lovely. a wine twist. Yeah. Really good. I went to Glastonbury Festival earlier this year, which anyone who follows me on Instagram will know because I found so much amazing gluten-free food. I was so jealous. Yeah. But <laughs> the, and I've been going to that festival for quite a long time now and it's really changed. Like When I first went, you definitely had to take all the supplies. Like I'd be there with my stove, all of my like pre-prepared meals and Aww. snacks a lot of snacks as you can imagine me and food. I bet you had a lot of crisps um yeah but I shared <laughs> crisps aren't I good oh, no, you are I good. know I'm so proud of you oh, I've grown so much <laughs> but this year was the first year that I didn't take any supplies I took a few little snacks to save some money but um I did a bit of research ahead of time wrote a big guide that I was able to use myself as well because there were like dozens of stalls that were either fully gluten-free or could cater well for celiacs and had had like stone-baked pizza we had fish and chips like really lovely like buddha bowls of halloumi and grains and salad and it was really really good making me hungry no but (laughs) so the great thing now with festivals is that the big ones you can find that information ahead of time it takes a little bit research and research geeks like me sometimes can do that work for you (laughs) but it's definitely improved a lot and we were talking earlier weren't we about local food festivals as well and how they've changed a lot because i haven't really been to any big festivals but i have been to a lot of local food festivals and i find them so good for gluten-free because i find a lot of like small independent brands like a lot of their stuff is gluten-free and 
it's kind of like just like normal people doing their thing and I mean here I was so surprised with how much gluten-free food there was so I think it's always worth if there is a local food festival don't feel like oh I can't go down there because I'm celiac like always go down and talk to people because I think you'll always be pleasantly surprised by what you can eat definitely and then sometimes the smaller ones have really good ethical credentials as well so like here like both Sarah and I are like quite committed to trying to be a bit more sustainable in the way we do things and at river cottage obviously that's a big focus of theirs and i think all the cups and plates and things like that were either fully compostable or reusable so you had to take them back to the bar it was really nice to see a festival committing to that fully because yeah the big ones like do it in part but they really should just kind of go the lead the way i think i think it was great as well because not only did they have the compostable stuff but they also had the correct like waste disposal for it yeah one of my bugbears is like all these places doing veg work ups but you just put them in an oil bin and then they go to landfill Mm -hmm. and it's pointless so they actually had like food waste and compostable waste bins which i thought was brilliant and i also love looking around at all the like cups and water bottles that everyone had i was like oh i want those (laughs) yeah because everyone was encouraged to bring their own water bottle which glastonbury did as well this year oh that's good definitely good that to kind of avoid single-use plastics but it's sometimes hard to add that on top of our like gluten-free yeah and sustainable like reusable packaging which is we kind of touched upon with our guest today and i know sarah you've been working on like a feature on your blog yeah about so i've been trying to reducing waste and a bit more of like kind of sustainability stuff and i've actually well hopefully by the time this airs it'll be out i've mm. done like a little video with some recipes for using like commonly wasted bits of food so like bread so crust good. potato mm. peelings just trying to like make sure that you're using like perfectly good food which would normally get thrown away especially when you're gluten-free because like gluten-free bread is so expensive i can't afford to throw away a bread crust so like no, i was gonna say it's a great way of saving money yeah. as well use all of the products that you have and rather than having to be like oh god stale bit of bread left over exactly so we'll link to that in the show notes and we'll also link to laura's glastonbury guide as well so there's like a helicopter going over i'm just watching it <laughs> as i talk don't know if you guys can hear that or not <laughs> But we'll link to those bits in the show notes so that if you are interested in finding out more, you can have a little look. Mm-hmm. So should we mention today's guest then? In yes. Thought? So we interviewed Naomi Devlin, as Sarah mentioned. Um, we watched her do this awesome live cookery demo yes. at their, um, what's it called, fire pit stage. Oh, it was amazing. So Naomi made this like campfire cake and then some lovely salads Um over the fire which is really impressive to watch she's a real champion for uh naturally gluten-free foods yes and uh, also trying to source more like local sustainable products so like kind of british grown grains yeah. rather than ones that might have like loads of air miles on them um, and then celiac and was just such like a wonderful guest to have we had like a really good chat about gut health as well so mm-hmm. if you're struggling and you're celiac or gluten-free and you're still finding you're having issues like i think there's a lot of really helpful stuff that I know I certainly am going to try and implement now. So really hope that you guys enjoy this. Sorry we don't have any questions from you guys today. I think being on the road, we're a bit like, ah, panic stations. But we will definitely no, be coming no, back No, no, calm, week. collected and organised, Sarah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> definitely fully scripted and not completely off the cuff. <clears throat> really hope that you guys enjoy this interview as much as we did and that you can take some useful stuff away from it. I think I'm going to go talk to these sheep now, Laura, because they look really friendly. (laughs) Well, while that does sound fun, I'm going to go down to the beach because I want to see the sea while I'm here and maybe find some fish and chips after my lots of research about all of that recently. I've been craving them, unsurprisingly. Oh, you're Um, making me crave them as well. (laughs) But enjoy this interview, guys, and stay tuned for more information about an exciting giveaway uh, that we're running again this week, which we'll announce at the end of this episode. (laughs) 
Okay, today we're here at River Cottage Festival with Naomi Devlin. Hi, Naomi. Hi. Thanks for joining <laughs> us on Old Crumbs. We've just been to watch your cooking demo. What was it you made today? Because it all looked amazing. So I made, it was a bit of a nutty demo. It was. Uh, it was a fantastic demo. Yeah. We loved it. Whenever me and Steve Lamb get together, it's a little bit crazy. <laughs> um, but, and we had Connor in the mix as well. So these are all River Cottage people and uh, I know them very dearly. So that often means that you get a little bit of, a little bit too much of you in the mix. <laughs> um, but I made a campfire cake, which I used um, buckwheat flour and hazelnuts. And um, and then I made a couple of happy gut salads. Um, so basically talking about my obsession with all things fermented and farts. Yeah, so and um, yeah, and uh, because it was in the hot sun, everything was melting. Yes. You did amazingly though. It was a little yeah. bit using almond butter wasn't it instead of yeah actual almond butter, butter which and is a great tip yes yeah exactly yes basically if you can't refrigerate anything uh, then i find things like coconut milk and nut butters yeah. and you know they become because they're stable in the heat yeah so, i yeah. never thought of that so <laughs> if we rewind all the way back to the beginning well kind of the beginning um so you have celiac disease like us um yes. Do you mind telling us about when you were first diagnosed and your personal sure. story? Yes. So I was first diagnosed about... See, I keep saying, you know, you keep saying the same time and then you're like, oh, <laughs> 10 years have yeah, passed. I do this all the time. <laughs> so I, I was diagnosed, it was about 16 years ago, might be nearer 17 years mm-hmm. now. Um, and uh, I used to work in fashion, so I was previously a costume designer. Oh, wow. And then I went sideways into fashion and not notorious for top health or eating no. or yeah. good hours. And so <laughs> I was doing long hours and not really eating very much much and I think I felt okay but I was very very thin Mm -hmm. and because everyone else was very thin I thought you know this is normal this is in fact I was being used as a fit model for you know and so it was like I was getting all the feedback that everything was right but I was so tired and and then I got pregnant with my son and then they very helpfully made me redundant and yeah I mean which actually in in retrospect was good because then I developed celiac disease but I didn't know right and so I had a whole year of feeling awful and they were saying to me we think you've got chronic fatigue syndrome and you need to go on um, thyroid hormones and not nobody saying anything about it being about my gut even though I had gut symptoms yeah and at that point in fact I had already started retraining to be a nutritionist but when they made me redundant I was like okay I better find something else and to me it just felt like actually I've done all this stuff with fashion and, you know, it's all quite not great for me. What I'd like to do is something with people. Um, And so that's why I was going towards nutrition. Uh, And so I don't think that I would have got the diagnosis then if I hadn't actually been retraining. And so it's partially me going in and pushing and saying, this is not chronic fatigue syndrome. It feels like it's to do with my gut. Do you think it could be to do with my, my gut? And eventually they gave me the test and yeah, it was to do with my gut. And actually then for me, it, it wasn't the, the celiac um, diagnosis wasn't the kind of panacea. It wasn't like, oh, I've stopped eating gluten now and now I'm perfect. Mm. I still had a lot of the symptoms. Although I felt better, I didn't instantly heal. Mm-hmm. And so that was part of the journey. That's why I got so interested in the gut is because, you know, I had to find out myself how to heal myself. Yeah. And it's such a common story we hear as well as that 
people fighting for that celiac diagnosis in the first place and I think now is more awareness of it um mm. but not totally. as much as there should be yeah, yeah. but again I mean we were both diagnosed a similar time and okay. it was a real like back and forth to the doctors yes. and yes so little really knowledge. low weight and really tired and just and yeah like, and a lottery I think as to who you definitely. get because if you get a doctor who's encountered it they're looking for it and mm-hmm. if you get a doctor who hasn't they, or a, uh, at that time I had a really old doctor who was just prior to uh, retirement and I think mm. he was just like another woman you know she's, yeah. she's just got the mummy blues and you know and, and actually it it, so he didn't do the investigating that maybe a, a, a you know keener doctor would yeah, maybe. but it is yeah it's a lottery I think mm. wow and so once you've got this diagnosis because you already had this kind of interest in nutrition do you think that helped you starting on your gluten-free diet definitely it definitely did so what happened was I so I'd always been a baker always been a cooker uh, a cooker cooker. (laughs) I wasn't actually a cooker but (laughs) I did like to cook and um so I grew up in a commune and had wow. learnt, yeah, had learnt um, proper hippie. Um, I've like all the questions. Yeah, yeah, exactly. People are always like, and what was that like? And I'm like, well, what was it like growing up in a normal house? I don't know. Well, I yeah. just know what I know. But actually, um, so so there we had to cook. And so I was cooking from a very young age and doing lots of baking. And, you know, so that was really already mm. an interest. And, uh, and so... I just channeled that interest. I had the what I call gluten grief. So yeah. Yeah. straight away it was like, oh, my life is over, yeah. you know, because I'm a baker. All these you know, skills that you yes, had what am I going to do? And I was trying to use the Dove's Farm flour and it was just rubbish, you know. <laughs> and uh, sorry, Dove's Farm, I love you. But for what I was doing and with the knowledge, the lack of knowledge mm. I had about how gluten-free flowers work I just uh, it was all awful and there were many tears shed you know <laughs> and um and then I started um so obviously my son was young started to write a blog yeah called uh, milk for the morning cake or right, yeah. in fact I titled the blog this is how stupid I was <laughs> titled the blog milk for the morning cake and then the url was straight into bed cake free and dried and but because, well, I was like why didn't I call them the same things what an idiot I love it but um but actually because back then there were so few people doing that yeah there was such an amazing community and so I made connections with you know Sean Ahern gluten-free yes. girl yes, yeah. yeah and Carol Kaczynski who's simply yes. gluten-free mm-hmm. and and all of those so it was like this the little old community school old school yeah we were really old school and um and, but actually and then we were sharing recipes and there was that amazing sense of support Mm. um and so to me that that was actually what launched it was okay there are people out there who can bake good stuff and who and who aren't freaking out about it they're saying there is stuff out there look look at all this that there is rather than look at what there isn't Definitely. And coincidentally, at the same time in my studies, I was studying all the native diets around the world um, because of the, the course that I was doing was specifically looking at kind of traditional nutrition. And so we were looking at, uh, you know, injera bread and tacos made from tortillas with corn. And, wow. uh, you know, and it was like, oh, OK, you don't even need to make bread. You can make mm. other stuff. 
and then that you know that is the thing that you eat and it's good because it's inherently gluten-free not because you're trying to mimic something that you're missing you don't miss this it's something amazing that's different such a great way of eating gluten-free as well going for the naturally Mm. gluten-free products yes yeah um and so for people who aren't familiar with you you've got two amazing cookbooks now so River Cottage Gluten Free yes. and the second one Food for a Happy Girl that's it that's yeah, it. So well, I didn't want to get the title wrong that's fine <laughs> I've obviously I've like read the first book like a million times yeah uh, so oh, with that oh one. that's very <laughs> sorry here, no I like no, it they're, they're Bring great it on. recipes and for me there were some of the like the particularly the short crust pastry mm. just works mm. every time for me oh, and it was really, really sweet quite fun to play around with the different flour blends as well yes, but yes. what I was getting to you is how did you move, make that move really from being like studying nutrition and being interested in food to now being a tutor at River Cottage teaching loads of gluten-free cookery courses published author yeah uh well I mean by being amazing okay, uh, well I mean that is without a doubt so no it I mean it like any of these things it was a kind of weird coincidence so my husband is a building physicist and he did some work for Hugh Fernley Whitting so he helps people design greener buildings basically okay. and so he did some work down here um and that's when I was writing my my blog and uh, he heard that they were trying to kind of diversify their course range and um, and just said, hey, check out my wife's blog. She's amazing. Oh, wow. uh, I mean, obviously, he has to say that. Excellent but husband. Yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. Well yeah, very much in my corner. <laughs> and, uh, and they tried it out, you know, bless them, because a lot of people were saying, no, this is too niche, you know, it's it's um, it won't sell. There aren't enough gluten or glutards as we call them <laughs> i'm allowed to say that because i am one yeah exactly. yeah yeah. It's, yeah i agree so um so so actually let's try it and uh, you know we initially we put one course on every six months um and then it just kind of you know snowballed from there mm-hmm. uh, and then and now i teach eight different courses at river cottage wow. yeah so there's a huge appetite for it. And the interesting thing, so I've just been doing masterclasses, is that often I don't announce that it's gluten-free. So okay. I did gluten-free ramen bowls right. and I did gluten-free happy gut metze. And nobody who came to my courses today needed to be gluten-free. And they all went away saying, fantastic, that yeah. was delicious. Wow. <laughs> you know, and to, to me that's like, well, that's that's what I want because it, it isn't funny food and it isn't, it isn't weird and, and, you know, an apology. It's like, this is great because it's great, yeah. you know. So, yeah, so that's, I think that's the place I'm coming from now. Originally, it was very much niche gluten-free courses, you know, mm. come along and learn how to make your bread and your pastry and all of that. And now it is, you know, we do those courses and I teach an advanced gluten-free where we wow. do puff pastry and shoe pastry <gasps> and, you know, genoise yeah. and all of that. Sounds but amazing. <laughs> it's not all about that, you know. Yeah. So. And you teach in London sometimes as well, don't you, at Plant Hub, which is just up the road from me. Yeah, so I teach, yeah, yeah Plant Hub, Divertimenti in okay. Kensington. Um, and I do my own um, courses that I just run from the London Cooking Project in oh, Battersea. Well, um, so, yeah, I mean, London's a long way from... Well, I live in Dorset, so London is a long way. Yeah. Um, but it is a lot for people to come down here, and you know, it takes mm. a whole weekend. So it is beautiful down here. Yeah. Mm. Sarah and I both want to move in. Now. Yeah. We, we're saying we might stay here actually. Like, I don't think just house just house move into this. Yeah. <laughs> just move into the farmhouse. We'll disappear yeah. in the yeah. 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 
Yes. <laughs> well, for me, I, I don't think I could be away from the sea now, you know. So no. I grew up down here. The commune was quite close okay. to, oh, wow. to Moncton Wild, uh, Wild, where it was, was quite close to River Cottage. Um, so it really feels like home, you know, it does feel like coming back. I bet, especially after being in London. Yes, yeah, exactly, or... yeah. So I was there for 10 years and I think... Unless, I mean, I know you're in London, aren't you? I'm but, London, yeah, but yeah, I'm it's... from Somerset originally. Okay, so oh, right, yes. Green yeah, sometimes. well, I think Aww. having kids makes you want to go back to your place, you know, your yeah. kind of roots. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So with your kind of gluten-free cooking and your vegan cooking courses, you were saying you focus a lot on, like, the naturally gluten-free foods. Mm. Um, and I'm on Instagram, you do lots of great tutorials in your stories about, like, gluten-free tacos or gyoza. Mm. And mm. can you tell us more about... The great naturally gluten-free foods. <laughs> yeah. So, well, the the tacos that I was posting with, um, they were made with um, maize and quinoa. Uh, sorry, millet and quinoa. Oh, wow. um, because uh, there's a, a big sustainable aspect to what we do here at River Cottage, oh, okay. um, and so we're always trying not to use stuff that's flown in. And it's an interesting thing about a lot of the gluten-free stuff that that. Uh, you almost set food miles aside. You're like, oh, well, you know, I need mm, this, therefore yeah. I will have teff or I will have masarino, or I will have, you know, sorghum that's flown in. Um, but uh, wherever I can, so that's why I use buckwheat a lot and I use quinoa, um, so grown by hodmodods, uh, or like the yellow pea flower, you know, a lot of those yeah. ones that can be grown in this country. And so I was thinking about tortillas. Obviously, they're made with masarina, uh, which is delicious, And but how could I make them with... British grown ingredients um, and so yeah so that sort of millet and quinoa oh, that's and tortillas came yeah. I love that yeah. idea of being able to use more locally sourced ingredients exactly. as well that yeah, are yeah. more environmentally friendly because you're totally Definitely. right I think yes we all think oh god gluten free is so hard anyway why yeah. add exactly extra? and, and I think and that also leads to people eating convenience foods when maybe they shouldn't eat so many you yeah. know I would definitely prefer people to cook from scratch mm. uh, rather than going oh well I need I have to have bread because I'm gluten free I have to have bread therefore I'll buy this bread in a packet rather than thinking maybe I'll just make pancakes or you know injera bread or anything that is yeah. you know simple to make and then I'll have a wrap instead rather than sticking to just what they know and just replacing you know it's an opportunity to really experiment and and introduce some new cuisines into mm-hmm. your diet so yeah that's that's where I try and go and just try and get people thinking you know try this out and those little tutorials are just you know because I think wow this is really simple and I think it's simple but I wonder if people know how to do this you know so but then because you're such a foodie by background and your experience I think a lot of people it's quite daunting knowing where to start so yeah 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 experts I think out there is really invaluable and that's that's particularly what I try and get across in my courses is um this is not frightening try it and 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 use this as a springboard um because I use bespoke flour mixes so I tend not to use the ones that you buy off the shelf mm-hmm. I buy you know individual flours and then combine them and I'm trying to make my recipes more simple because mm. there have been accused in the past of you know using 15 <laughs> ingredients <laughs> where three would do and so actually uh, educating people and saying look this flour is like this and this flour is like this and I do a lot of stupid mimes to help hammer the point home which actually does work you know yeah. for potato starch I 
do a kind of jazz hands and for a tapioca starch I do a kind of stretchy Amazing. motion yeah at the end of the day people are like jazz hands you know oh, <laughs> so we to learn this language yeah, yeah exactly yeah the, it's it's like a special mime language or sign language I guess for um but yeah so that so that actually um what I'm hoping that people leave with is a feeling of being able to start somewhere and not being overwhelmed and then build on that because mm. you can't just tra- transform yourself into an amazing cook if you only ever you know cook very simple things you shouldn't be upset about that just think oh, I'm going to learn this one thing and then I'm going to learn this thing and then you just find your knowledge grows you know absolutely I mean, that's such a good like way of doing it um, and another thing I wanted to ask you about, I see you cooking so much stuff like fermented foods. You seem to be this expert in all this stuff that's so good for your gut. Like, is that kind of an interest that's come from celiac? And, and tell me more about this fermented food. Okay. I want to know about all the things So I have been fermenting for a long time. Yes. I mean, not personally fermenting. <laughs> <laughs> Although sometimes not it feels like, like that. Vegan oh, yeah. Again. yeah, exactly. <laughs> At a festival, it does very much feel like you're fermenting. But um, but no, I uh, so I grew up with fermented food. So in the commune, that was we made sourdough bread and we made pickles, and there were German people there, and there was a Swiss woman, and then and I think that that was much more part of their culture, whereas mm. not really part of British culture anymore. So we're like, ooh, it's hip food, you know. But actually, mm. if you look around the world, there are fermented foods all around yeah. the world. Uh, you just need to learn how to do it. Um, and so originally, I started. It kind of came off the back, I guess of my nutritional training is that I knew for me I needed fermented food in my life to heal my Mm. gut and so I you know started making a few little pickles um and then also I started making sourdough bread so I think I was one of the kind of first people really making sourdough gluten-free bread um and it just was so much easier to digest but also for me because of my history with hippie food and eating sourdough bread I was like oh this is so nice and familiar you know this is the thing I've been longing for yeah not this white bread kind of French yeah. stick thing or whatever it was that you could buy in the shops this feels authentic you know so yeah so that's for me the the fermenting uh, came out of out of necessity of needing to heal my gut and very much now I would say that I I'm just I'm addicted to fermented food because it has that that flavour that you're missing elsewhere, you know, it's got the umami and the sourness mm-hmm. and, you know, and so it just, it's the thing that completes a dish, you know. Yeah. Like so, a pickle. So why is that so beneficial? Like, why is fermented food so good for your gut? Yeah, so, well, it's, there's two things I talk about, prebiotic food and probiotic food. Yeah. And so probiotic just means contains helpful bacteria or helpful microbes, actually, because it could be that they're uh, moulds or yeasts or even viruses, but they can be helpful in, in okay. context. Um, uh, and so any food that contains those helpful microbes becomes probiotic and so when you ferment food you encourage the the development of lactic acid bacteria and it's those that are really particularly helpful in because basically what they do is they occupy sites in the gut that would otherwise be occupied by harmful bacteria or pathogenic bacteria and so or microbes even and so what you're doing is you're kind of um, you know rather than saying uh, like the antibiotic theory of 
mm. get rid of it all, sanitize yeah. everything, you know, but germs are bad. What you're saying is, in my gut, I want a really nice balance, a nice diverse balance of all these different microbes. And I know that this group, the lactic acid bacteria particularly, and the bifidus, that, that they promote harmony and so mm. I'm going to try and encourage those okay. but they're not the only it's not the only route to gut health mm. people often think oh if I can't eat fermented food for example fermented foods high in histamine okay. so people have like hay fever symptoms or a lot of people who have gut problems have high histamine they get hives or all sorts of things if they suddenly start eating loads of fermented food suddenly they will actually have um, an excess of histamine and then wow. they get all those symptoms as well and they're like but this is good you know yeah. so it's it's not one thing good for everyone you know yeah. it's really learning your individual yeah it's, it is so interesting because obviously kind of gut health is such a big movement these days like people are really starting to focus on it but it's also kind of medically backed it's not just like fad people mm. shouldn't think of it like that i'm only saying this because i know what some people's natural kind of view towards yeah gut health is but even so i had to have some antibiotics after having my daughter and my gp said to me okay like these you need to focus on eating some i think it Tell me if I've got the wrong term. Probiotic foods okay, to help yeah. re- replace the kind of good gut yeah, bacteria because yeah. antibiotics like yogurt or kefir exactly. or sauerkraut or all yeah. of those. And Absolutely. I know in your demo you mentioned that onion is a good natural source of probiotics. So prebiotics, pre-biotics. yeah. So prebiotics are the food that feed the good microbes, right. and then probiotics are the foods that contain them. And uh, the interesting thing is, it doesn't even have to be food that you're eating. It could be going foraging or gardening mm. or uh, making friends with a dog, you know, that exposes you to different microbes, and so that true. has been shown to actually uh, promote a more diverse so microbe. Children, letting them, it doesn't matter exactly. if they're eating yeah. dirt, exactly. it's not going to kill them. If anything, it will yeah. help make them stronger. Yes, so. absolutely. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you it's can't be cavalier. Don't, you know, don't let them eat things out of the cat tray. <laughs> you know, do you know what I mean? <laughs> Five-second rule, which there is a study, apparently. Yeah. The five-second oh, really? rule is a real so thing. It's not just yeah. this... Um, yeah, so <laughs> microbes are like, hang on, guys, five, we need to wait five seconds, and then it's fair game. <laughs> so you just pick it up. <laughs> I think we tend to do the 10 second rule in our house. Yeah, I go about yeah, it. Yes, exactly. Off the cut point. <laughs> and then with gut health, is that's all born out of your nutrition and, and your personal yeah. interest in the first place. And... and my own need to heal my own gut. Yeah. And also because my son was born with celiac disease. Or he, well, I think oh, yes, he was born was. with it. And he had terrible symptoms once he started going onto solids. Yeah. And because I was had been diagnosed at that point I was really reluctant to give him wheat so mm. I kept him off wheat till it was a year mm. um, and then gave it to him and he had su- I mean we thought maybe he had ulcerative colitis because oh, wow. he had those sort of symptoms oh, um, yeah so mm. and uh, and it was difficult because he um, he was a big baby I mean he was nearly 10 pounds wow. and so all that stuff that you think about p- kids not thriving he was big yeah. and he was always big but he was always hungry you know and mm. so it was like actually those symptoms should be remembered that you can have a big child that's just always hungry or gets lots of colds or whatever and that that might be the, the thing that you know yeah. but I mean for him it was his gut symptoms 
it was actually um, uh, having to heal Finn's gut as well. And so he presented a whole load of different problems to the ones that I had had. And he had all sorts of different sensitivities uh, to salicylates. I don't know if you heard of salicylate sensitivity. Yeah. So that was... And I only worked that out because... He, so that in children often presents as kind of ADHD type symptoms. Okay. Um, and he'd gone from being like, when he was tiny, he was really placid. He was like, I was like, super smug. I was like, my <laughs> baby is amazing, you know. And uh, yeah, it's all to do with the way that I'm raising him. And <laughs> it's hot nut, isn't it? Yes. I, isn't oh, it? I like it's just very chilled out. People are yes. like, oh, you've done so well. No. Yeah. No, the next luck. one could be a nightmare. Yeah, 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 exactly. And then he <laughs> got to about three and he suddenly it was like he would turn into a gremlin but only every time he'd have uh, apple juice orange juice or pineapple juice or ate lots of fruit yeah i was like and of course you're giving your kids lots of fruit you're like this is good stuff you know great he will eat a pound of oranges great no problem but actually what i found is all those things contain high levels of salicylates and they bind with um, essential fats and that can irritate the nervous system and therefore, oh, wow. you know, and it's like, you don't know this stuff until, and I, it, you know, I had studied it, but I hadn't internalised the actual, you know, to see the symptoms. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so really a lot of, um, a lot of my kind of enthusiasm for gut health came out of that. Um, and then because I was working as a nutritionist, people come to come to you because they know that that's what you specialize in yeah. and then you end up specializing in it you know so that became my thing that I did really was gut health you know and then in your demo we talked mentioned FODMAPs yes um, and links to farting yeah um, but the, there's a group are you going to provide links to farting well we could provide yeah. links yeah. to farting it might be an interesting show oh, note addition people yeah. might need a help group <laughs> or <laughs> some lives on YouTube I'm sure there's yeah, something exactly. on that <laughs> um, we've got an episode coming up in a few weeks all about the low FODMAP diet so yes. it's very interesting I think you were saying that you realised it wasn't just kind of gluten mm. or for fit, like other things yes, were affecting yes, him yes, but that exactly. can be quite an effective approach for people to take sometimes isn't it to yeah. realise that that group of foods can cause issues can, I think if you've got any kind of IBS issues that tends to be the thing that, mm. that people would look at first but if you've got any gut inflammation anything that is going to cause is not going to be completely well digested which often those things are harder to digest uh, and because you produce enzymes in your small intestine which is where those things are broken down mm-hmm. those foods that are healthy for other people mm. are just not good for you and so yeah so that's one of the things that I had to cut out right at the beginning was FODMAPs mm-hmm. um, and and at the time again that you know FODMAPs are very well known and you get people oh, there's whole blogs for low FODMAP diets and you know and in my book uh, Food for a Happy Gut the first section is low FODMAP because for so many people I find that it can be really oh, useful great. yeah mm-hmm. but it's not something you stay on for a long time and so people misunderstand yeah. yes. that that it's not a diet for life okay you might not fart anymore great <laughs> but not all farts are bad you know and so people become afraid of anything that's going to mm. blow them up yeah. but actually you need to start moving towards foods that will yeah. feed your microbes and so yeah so that's a that was a really interesting thing that I had to learn personally was how to in, reintroduce those foods um, and in a kind of comfortable and socially acceptable way because <laughs> we're all individuals aren't we yes. so ultimately different foods are going to suit us mm. or not suit yeah. us and yeah. it's realizing that and again that exactly FODMAP 
diet isn't that long term, but it, a yeah. stage something that you can go through yeah. if you're still having gut issues. Yeah, and it's not a panacea. It might not fix everything, yeah. but it might give you just enough space so that you can look at what your real issues are. Um, and I tend always tended to use um, elimination diets, you know, to to just say let's just get a bit of space from this, and then we can come back in with mm. some really you know a longer term solution. Um, yeah, yeah, I think um, that ability to be self-reflective is I mean it's a, a life lesson isn't it if you can be self-reflective then you'll probably live long and happy life yeah. you know but actually in terms of your gut looking at how you feel and respecting your own feelings about your gut and not always putting it out to a doctor or a friend who said this worked for them or whatever mm-hmm. you I generally find that if people get enough space to sit and think how do I actually feel how did that make me feel that they have an intuition about what's working and what isn't you know and you just need to not have the fear you know about oh if I eat that it will be awful Mm. and and you know make your diet smaller and smaller it's really great advice Naomi where can we find you if people want to find out more about you not sorry find you but yeah yeah don't (laughs) don't stalk me (laughs) (laughs) Um, if people want to find out more about you read your books where can they sort of find you online okay so uh my two books I think we've already mentioned but those are available from all excellent booksellers so (laughs) food for a happy gut or river cottage gluten-free um I teach at river cottage and that's often a good place to find me but I have a website naomidevlin.co.uk or if you just put Naomi Devlin into Google fingers crossed I'm the first <laughs> Naomi Devlin that comes up we'll there is that. another one in the States so I'm obviously hunting oh, her down rival. Uh, yeah rival who has naomidevlin.com how dare oh. she <laughs> but um but yeah so so I list everything that's coming up so all my workshops um oh, there's little kind of um excerpts from the books and my favorite place to be on the internet is Instagram which Yay. I love uh, so and I'm Naomi and Devlin on there okay. with Anne with an E and there's a pair of yellow sandals which anyone who's met me will know is <laughs> my trademark yeah I have, I have those they're, they're um, salt water sandals uh-huh. uh, and they are the most comfortable sandals this is not oh. promotional for them but this could be our sponsor yeah. yeah you should yeah yeah but they come in amazing sweetie colours so I have turquoise <laughs> and white so I'm obsessed with them but anyway yes that's the best place I think to get hold of me um, brilliant yeah and a great if you're not on Instagram why not because it's so great it's it such a friendly place yeah yeah. instagram is super friendly i totally agree i think all the social media lots of very helpful friendly nice people yeah and then the last question we've been asking all our guests is what pearl of wisdom what takeaway would you share with them do you know what my pearl of wisdom for eating well gluten-free is make friends with your freezer and uh, and batch cook and so so for for instance i do you know i'll cook a a load of pulses and put them in the freezer you know it all kind of um, flat packed and grains and meat uh, and just cook that stuff up and have it there because there it's so easy not to eat well when you're busy mm-hmm. um, but if you know you've got stuff in the freezer and like all my fermented pickles in the fridge and things like I'm a big fan of things like ducker and gamasio and all those lovely mm. um, flavoursome sprinkles if you have all that stuff and it only takes a weekend of kind of getting it all done 
then you will eat well. Whereas if you leave it all to the last minute, actually, you, you know, it, of course you'll be tired mm. and you'll end up eating beans on toast or, you know, and it won't be nice toast, it'll be genius bread. Sorry, genius bread. Um, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> or there are other horrible brands of gluten-free bread available. <laughs> Make your own, people. <laughs> so get a freezer and make your own bread. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's my pearl of wisdom. And come on my courses, obviously, so I can teach yes. you how to do it. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much, Naomi. I feel like I want to go, like, ferment lots of stuff now. Yeah, do <laughs> it. Make do it. Butcher in our tent. Yes. Yes. Maybe yes. <laughs> <laughs> see explosions at the Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'll know where they come from. Yeah. Oh, well, it's, it's been really great to meet you guys. You are heroes. Aww. Thank you for everything you're doing. It's really brilliant. Oh, yeah, inspiring. You. Well, thank you. It was so good thank to talk you. to you today. And, oh, uh, yeah, and we, oh we have to stop now before we start crying. <laughs> that was a brilliant interview with Naomi. She was so much fun. We loved her demo and I loved her healthy gut tips. Yeah, like, she's great fun to talk to. Yeah. So interesting. She's got so much knowledge. I feel like I just want to go ferment loads of food now and like make loads of pickles. Yeah, kombucha <laughs> extraordinaire. So if you would like to win a copy of both of Naomi's amazing oh, books. Such a good one. She's got River Cottage Gluten Free and Food for a Happy Gut. So this Am I allowed week, to enter this competition, Sarah? No, you can't. Oh, You've got one of her books already. No, but I want the other one. <laughs> we have to buy it. I will, I will. <laughs> if you want to win a copy of both her books, then head over to our Instagram at Old Crumbs Podcast and give us a follow and you'll see the post all about the competition and that's where you need to enter. Yeah. And then uh, next week uh, <gasps> we have yet another brilliant guest. I love our guests. Our guests are amazing. Yeah. No, but they really are. They like, are. I'm learning so much doing this podcast. It's I'm great. really enjoying myself. <laughs> um, so next week uh, we interview Emma Hatcher who blogs as She Can't Eat What. Emma's a brilliant author and she's got a fantastic cookbook all about eating well on the low FODMAP diet. Yes. Emma was diagnosed with IBS um, over a decade ago and uh, wheat intolerance as well. And she's found kind of being gluten-free and removing other elements from her diet has really helped alleviate her IBS symptoms. Um, she is very knowledgeable about, about the low FODMAP diet. I mean, we hardly knew anything about it. I no. can't even say it. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so she educates us a bit about what that diet entails and uh, her life now and as a, an amazing recipe developer. So really hope that you guys are going to tune in for that one next week. And Laura, I suppose we better hit the road. Oh yeah, you go chase some sheep. I'm going to go to the <laughs> beach. Have fun. <laughs> we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Really hope that you guys enjoy this interview and take as much from it as we did. Um, and I'm now going to go play with some sheep because they look really friendly. <laughs> oh, that's so dodgy. It does, doesn't it? And it was difficult. Oh, it was di- <laughs> just falling <laughs> over. <laughs>